Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. It's the week 12 edition of the pod, fellas. With me, Dan Myler, is of course Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, it's Thanksgiving week. I think I speak for all of us when I say I'm thankful for all of our listeners, everybody that tunes in on a weekly basis to get our thoughts. Uh, I'm also thankful for you guys because it's fun to get together once a week, chat about dynasty players and their values. That's what we've been doing for the first 12 weeks of the season, and or the first 11, I should say, and we're going to continue that in week 12. We're going to talk dynasty values and guys who are dropping and guys that are uh, moving up rankings and how we're reacting to these players. First, though, Ryan, how was your week 12 to this point? Uh, so far, so good, for sure. It's in, in, in the kitchen sink leagues that we all play in. It's playoff time, which kind of feels a little surreal. Uh, I ended up with four buys, and, and in the one league I didn't have a buy, I scored over 200 points. So I'm feeling good. Humble brag there from Ryan McDowell. You can follow him for more of those kind of things at RyanMC23. Matt, what about you? How's, uh, how's week 12 for you? And what are you looking forward to yet this week as we record pre-Sunday night football? I mean, I'm looking forward to the Packers smacking around the Niners tonight later. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm really bad. I was going to sound really bad though when people listen, listen to this on like Monday or Tuesday, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little bit nervous too. But you know, the Niners have a lot of injuries on offense right now. So, and we're coming off a bye. So hopefully there's a plan. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's not like their last trip to, to California. Mm. For more of that kind of talk, you follow Matt at, <laughs> at M. Pricer on Or excuse me, you switched it. Uh, you're now at Matt Price FF, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay, let's get into these games. And we're going to start, as we always do, uh, with the Thursday night game. Let's highlight somebody out of that one, Matt. Yeah, I like to talk about players that don't play in these games, apparently, because I'm going to go with Marlon Mack this week. We saw Jonathan Williams come back uh, with the second 100-yard game. Mack is still out with the hand injury, but uh, I still think it's going to be his show once he gets back. Jonathan Williams is a UFA next year, so there's a chance he gets on with another team. Or even if he does come back to the Colts, Mack is still on that cheap rookie contract for another another year. So I think Mac, it's still Mack's job. Uh, I'm not too worried about them drafting somebody with the talent that they have in that backfield, if you include Naheem Hines and, and Jordan Wilkins back there. So they seem pretty set at that position for me uh, in terms of the draft. So uh, while people are not really thinking about Mack and thinking too much about 
about Jonathan Williams, I like to go in and, and, and try to get Mac for, for cheap right now. Uh, in the trade finder, he has gone for uh, actually both he and Parker have gone for a single 2021st. I like that quite a bit, getting two, two players there for that probably mid to late first. Uh, Darren Waller straight up I like. Terry McLaren straight up I like uh, just based on that situation in Washington. So uh, and, and for Waller just because of the premium of the running back position over tight end. So uh, I, I like all of those deals. And if I can go get them for any of those prices, even like a late first, early second, if I can do that or a second and third, uh, I've seen once in the trade finder as well, like things that cheap. I would like to go ahead and get Mac right now while people are kind of uh, not really thinking about them. Yeah, those are deals that I'm looking at doing as well. And, and I'm a fan of Waller. I'm a fan of McLaurin. Those are guys that I want on my dynasty rosters. But you're talking about Marlon Mack, who is on pace to finish the season as a running back one, a top 12 guy, one of those guys that you can start week in and week out in a good offense. Um, not just a ball carrier either mixes in some uh, receiving work. Uh, and before he was hurt, in that game in week 11, he was rolling in that game. He had multiple 75-ish plus yard games before that. He's going to get back and, and get that job, and, and he'll roll again. So I like recommending Marlon Mack as a buy if you haven't uh, haven't already passed that um, trade deadline in your league. Let's move on to the Lions and the Redskins this was brutal watching this one, fellas. Uh, the Redskins win this one 19-16 on Sunday afternoon. The Lions, man, they're they're broken. Things didn't look good for that Lions offense, Ryan. Is there somebody off that side of the ball that we want to talk about here? Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, they, they really are broken. We, we know Carrion Johnson has been out for a while now. It sounds like Matthew Stafford may be on his way to the injured reserve list. And and once again, the Lions are just just playing out the season. The past couple of weeks, though, Bo Scarborough has kind of made a, made a name for himself. And I think we want to take advantage of that and sell him if possible. Dan, as you mentioned, if those uh, if those trade deadlines have not passed, he's a guy I want to get something for as quickly as possible. He does. Uh, he, he's had a couple of nice rushing performances, 55 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, I think he had, believe he had 98 or 99 yards in th- uh, this week. So solid work on the ground, of course, but just such a limited upside because he's going to have no work in the passing game at all. Uh, no targets through two weeks. So that, that 153 yards is, is just getting you 15 points. He's, we talk a lot about those touchdown or bus guys. He is, uh, he's kind of the epitome of that. And as a seventh rounder a year ago, as a guy who didn't get on the field until uh, week 11 this year for the first time in his career, this is not a guy I see claiming that job and running with it. So if you can get really anything for him, I would do that. Honestly, before I checked out the uh, DLF trade finder, I was kind of skeptical. I thought we would see a lot of uh, third rounders, fourth rounders, and there was there were some deals like that, but there were some examples of legitimate trades, two different trades for O.J. Howard, even up, and you know, say what you will about his season, uh, I would still certainly rather take a chance on Howard versus Bo Scarborough, uh, Daryl Henderson, even up, Matt Breda, even up, two second rounders, so this was not just one example of a bad trade. I found at least a handful that I thought were easy wins for the team moving Scarborough. 
Mm, brutal that I ha- got him in so many leagues last week off of waivers, and the trade deadline, of course, has passed in all of them because those are great examples. I was looking at that box score, guys. I watched a little bit of this football game, and every time I turned it on, it was it was just boring, to be honest with you. But Scarborough was getting the carries, 18 carries for 98 yards, as you mentioned, Ryan. And then when you look at the rest of that Lions backfield, Ty Johnson with just four carries, J.D. McKissick just one carry, Jeff Driscoll was the second leading ball carrier with nine rushes for 63 yards. They obviously see Scarborough as the guy they want to highlight or or focus on giving the ball to out of the backfield in the running game. I think there's some value. No, again, in those PPR leagues, he doesn't have a lot of that upside. He's his his floor is quite low. And his ceiling is quite low because of it. But wouldn't you agree that down the stretch, if you're one of those contenders, if you're in one of those KS leagues and were to pick him up, he's a guy that we can start and maybe rely on for at least some regular work? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you talked about the other options there, and, and the Lions turned to Scarborough because they, they tried those guys. They tried tried Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick and uh, among a couple others in that that did not work out. So I do think we go the rest of the season with uh, with Scarborough as the starter. I think we can count on him for you know for box scores like 14 carries for 75 yards and and if if he can fall into the end zone then you're going to be pretty happy with that uh, that end result. But as far as long-term upside, I, I just don't see it there. Yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time seeing it as well, Matt. I want to get your opinion on this. Do you see any value going forward as we look forward to the 2020 season for dynasty owners with Scarborough? No, I don't think there's any dynasty value. I mean, if you can get him, uh, I mean, hopefully you, you got him off the waiver wires, like especially in a points per carry league. He's, he, he has a little bit of a floor there just because of the usage in the running game. But like you said, with no literally no passing game production, he's not somebody that I want to go pay really anything for. I don't even know if I'd really go out and pay a third round for third round pick for him you know if you have a fourth and a fifth round pick in your rookie drafts then then maybe we're talking about something at that point but uh I, I I assume that he will not be involved in 2020 yeah it's it's hard to see a path to that uh without a bunch of injuries once again we don't even know if he'll be a Detroit Lion in 2020 and beyond he just came off the practice squad Uh, Let's move on to another disappointing performance, guys. It was the Raiders scoring just a field goal on Sunday against the Jets, who scored 34 points. I had this one, and I went with Ryan Griffin, who once again scored a touchdown. He had three catches for 13 yards and that score on three targets. You know, I I went back and forth on what to do with Griffin because the three of us haven't really had a a chance to talk about him. So more than anything else, I, I just wanted to to bring him up with you guys and see where we stand with Griffin, especially now that he's scored in back-to-back games and and three times over the last five weeks. Uh, eight catches for 122 yards and two touchdowns over those last two weeks. There was the news this past week that he signed that three-year extension, news that maybe they have big plans for him in the short term in the next couple of seasons, that this uh, this spike in production isn't something that's just because there's an injury right now to Chris Herndon. We'll see if that's true. So far on the year, 28 catches, 282 yards, and five touchdowns, which, you know, guys, that 
that's what, tight end one type numbers. Those are back end tight end one type numbers. In weeks that he scores, you love having him in your lineup. In weeks that he doesn't, for instance, this week, had he not caught that touchdown, three for 13 would be pretty disappointing. So Herndon is still the tight end one on this roster, it seems, despite this injury plague season. I saw some recent trades selling Ryan Griffin for a third. Ryan, are you selling him for a third? Or are you holding out that he can stay on top of Chris Herndon on that depth chart? For me, this that, that totally comes down to a team-by-team situation. I've got multiple teams where uh, Griffin is my, my starting tight end at this point, heading into the playoffs, and that's because of so many injuries and, and disappointing play by guys like O.J. Howard that we talked about and, and many others. So uh, it, it's nice to have that surprise Griffin performance. And uh, and if he's my starter on a, a team that I feel like is a contender, then then I would have to hold on to him. Uh, in general, I, I, would, I, I would think I would sell for a third. I, I don't see that long-term upside. I, I still do like Chris Herndon and um, just – kind of as a pivot off this discussion, I think now's a great time to buy Herndon coming off the the strong Griffin performance over the past month or so and the, the new contract that has people kind of piling dirt on, on Herndon's career. That was really the last point I was going to make on this. That trade finder did show a straight-up Chris Herndon for Ryan Griffin deal. I, you know, my, Your imagination goes immediately to somebody who is waiting all year patiently for Herndon to get back, streaming tight ends, finding those guys off the waiver wire, and just couldn't, couldn't put it all together when Herndon went back on IR, decided, I need a guy, I'm going to go, go over to Griffin. And, and the other owner, who was maybe on the bottom of the, of the standings or, or perhaps uh, just didn't need Griffin in the starting lineup, cashed in and got the guy higher on the depth chart. Matt, what are your thoughts here? Do you like Griffin in the short term like Ryan and I seem to? And long term, does he hold any of that value? I don't really have anything to add. You guys pretty much covered it. I was thinking the same thing. Like if you're dealing with one of these Kittle or Ingram injuries or this week, uh, we're past this week now, right? But if you were dealing with like a buy for Kittle or, or sorry, uh, uh, Kelsey or, or Hunter Henry or something like that, then he's a nice plug in there. If you had one of these these upstart tight ends like Najoku or Howard, like Ryan mentioned, that you know you, were, you thought was going to be something this year and just isn't, then he's a nice plug in for your lineup. But uh, I, I like – and like you just mentioned, the trade finder straight up her in for for Griffin there so they're going for about the same price so if I had to send a third round pick for one of the two uh, and I don't need him in my starting lineup right now then I'm probably going to go ahead and choose Herndon if they're the exact same price yeah it's a nice story I have Griffin in a couple of lineups by necessity as well when he caught that touchdown pass I said thumbs up that's that's all I needed for this week get me through get me to next week and he'll probably be in a couple lineups for me again Unfortunately, but we'll all have to sweat it out and and hope he continues to make an impact. He has the last couple of weeks for sure. Let's talk about the Dolphins and the Browns. There was a revenge game narrative here, Matt. The Browns ended up on top 41 to 24 because of one guy specifically. Yeah, and I wrote Jarvis Landry down as a buy before this game because I didn't think he was just going to complete revenge factor on, on his old team with 10 for 148 and two touchdowns. So uh, the price is probably going to spike a little bit there, but 
you know, I think he's still gettable, and, and owners that have had him and have been frustrated with him might use this performance as an opportunity to go ahead and sell him. So uh, I still like the buy, but I could understand if you wanted to get out now too. From my perspective, though, you know, he's, he's just really entering the, that, those prime production year for wide receivers. 26 will be 27 next year. Uh, uh, you know, we like to see these guys spike in production in the 20, in around 27, 28. So he's just entering that prime. He's under contract uh, with a reasonable deal through 2022. So he's going to be with Baker Mayfield. He's going to be in this offense. So uh, and, and then if you're a, a playoff team looking for some punch, in your lineup as this this Browns team is kind of coming together offensively in weeks 14 of the of the fantasy playoffs they get the Bengals and week 15 they get the Cardinals so uh, some nice matchups coming through again right as these guys are starting to gel a little bit so in the trade finder again this is prior to this this big performance uh, just the week prior uh, went straight up for Mason Rudolph in a super flex league and that was after the incident with him last uh, week against the Steelers or uh, against the Browns rather um, so that's that seems like a price that I'm slamming the accept button on Sony Michelle, which Ryan's going to talk about later in the show. Uh, I would do that deal. James Washington, he had a nice game today as well, um, but him in a 2021 third, I think, is pretty fair for Landry. And then I saw a 2020 second straight up, which seems like an absolute slam dunk if you can still get that done. Maybe you have to throw a little bit more juice on top of that second uh, based on this week's performance. But I think he is a buy going forward uh, and still reasonably priced, especially when you consider that uh, Odell Beckham also had a nice game, so his value is still going to be way high too. So people might be more interested in him than Jarvis Landry at this point you know Matt I think Landry because he's been around for so many years and and we were so used to him or at least we were so used to him catching 100 balls in Miami and then the the whole moving on to Cleveland and the disappointing year last year he gets lumped in with some of these veteran wide receivers that are creeping up on 30 years old but that's not really the case he's going to turn 27 later this month he has a few years on that contract as you mentioned and in an offense that seems to be getting their legs underneath it it feels to me like he's in a good spot to succeed now that first year uh it was a disappointment for sure but since the bye in week seven 10 targets 13 10 7 in week 11, then 13 more targets again this week. He's a big part of that offense in a passing game that's going to put the ball in the air. Uh, with that rushing attack, the play action that they like to use off of it, it seems like Landry's arrow is for sure pointing up. So I like those those examples that you made as well. I traded him in a cap league where his contract was running out uh, this past week. It got Corey Davis in the deal, so I don't feel too bad about it. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Jarvis Landry and his value going forward? Yeah, I like the idea of buying Landry quite a bit. Um, Matt talked about the, of course, the big game he had might might lead to a little bit of a, a spike in value, as he said. But I also think, I think everybody basically expected a big game, um, not only because of uh, of the nice matchup, but because of the revenge factor. I, I know Landry had some some pretty harsh words when he was leaving the Dolphins, and uh, I. It's you can't always buy into those things, those stories. Uh, but this one seemed like uh, seemed like a game they were going to make a point of uh, making sure Landry had had a big performance, and he did that. So um, I don't know if it if it will be seen as um, the beginning of a trend or or just kind of a fluky performance against a former team. That's that's what we hope it's viewed as by the majority, because I do like the idea of buying him. As I said, I was really shocked in our latest ADPs. He's all the way down at wide receiver 43. And we're talking about a guy who was, who was 
a top 20 wide receiver just just a few months ago really he's he's below Emmanuel Sanders and Robbie Anderson uh it's, it's yeah, just criminal. just makes no sense he's he's probably 10 spots too low at least you know to Matt's point he mentioned he did this he had the big game 10 for 148 and 2 in a game when Odell Beckham Jr was showcased as well and had a nice game 6 for 84 and a touchdown of his own that's good news for these guys. You you want to be able to get both of these guys the football. At least they proved it for one week that it's possible and it's something they're that they're trying to do. Landry scored touchdowns in four straight games. We'll see if he can make it five next week at Pittsburgh. Ryan, I got on our document to as we started deciding what games and which players to to highlight this week. And I looked for the Giants and the Bears to to buy one specific player. And I watched you type in that player's name and claim the game for yourself. All right. We're sharing a brain once again. Giants 14, Bears 19. Who do you got here? Yeah, this was this was another ugly game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a mat and talk about a player we didn't see this week, Evan Ingram of the Giants. Uh, missed his second straight week with that foot injury and Overall, I think we could say it's been a disappointing season for Ingram, though he did start the season out so strongly. Uh, I think we we saw his value spike really at the beginning of the year, and then it's been a rough past uh, four, five, six weeks for him with a couple different injuries. Looking at the trade finder, though, this this is a player we should be buying. We should still be valuing him as a top three, um, a top three tight end. And looking at his offense, he's he's still going to be the the second overall option behind Saquon Barkley in that offense, even when everyone is healthy. Golden Tate has performed well, uh, even even the rookie Darius Slayton has performed well. But Ingram, to me, is the top option in the passing game, uh, and, and that the second option overall. As I said, some trades, recent trades with Evan Ingram, Robert Woods, even up. Eric Ebron even up. I would I would assume there was what? a desperation play there. Evan Ingram along with a couple of third rounders for Darren Waller. If I can cash in on Waller and and get Ingram and some icing on top, I like that. And then the only one that I was kind kind of close on Austin Hooper even up. Uh, I, I still think I want Evan Ingram there, but Hooper certainly gained some value, and obviously he's dealing with an injury of his own right now. Yeah, I like the call. As I said, I was going to claim Evan Ingram as my buy as well. I've been sending out offers for Ingram in leagues. Was only able to buy him in one league over the last handful of weeks. I really hope he's able to get back, Matt, before the end of the season. Juicy schedule. Three of their last ga- four games, uh, at least of the playoff schedule for fantasy owners and dynasty owners, Green Bay, 27th worst against tight end. Miami, who leaks fantasy points to every position. And then at Washington in championship week, 29th worst in the league against tight ends. Evan Ingram is a guy, Matt, that you've liked for a long time. I imagine you're buying as well. Oh, yeah, especially for those prizes. If I can cash in on Waller now and get him and a couple of thirds, like Ryan mentioned, I, I think I'm the only one at DLF that has him right now as tight end one in Dynasty. So I'm all over buying Ingram right now. Yeah, he's a he's a nice ad. This injury created a window for sure. And like you said, Matt, those prices that Ryan mentioned, 
wow, if you can if you can make those swaps, they're they're good ones for your fantasy team and dynasty teams going forward. Let's talk about the Seahawks and the Eagles. Really a disappointing game unless you're a huge def- defense fan. Um, I expected a little bit more fireworks in this one. Seahawks 17, Eagles 9 in Philadelphia. Nice win for the Seahawks. I want to talk about the Eagles and their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, though. I'm going to call him a buy in Superflex Leagues. Wentz was up and down in this game, uh, a little more down than up, which has kind of been the trend for him. 33 of 45 passing, 256 yards, one touchdown, did throw the two picks, five carries for 27 yards, rushing as well. Back-to-back disappointing games since the bye. Uh, really disappointing game against New England a couple of weeks ago, only averaging 235 yards per game over the last couple of weeks. Lots of people pulling him out of lineups, even in super flex leagues. No multi-touchdown game since week seven. The arrow has been going down on Wentz, fellas. Um, he's only a couple of years removed from that MVP caliber season, 33 touchdowns, four picks in just 13 year in 13 games. Had he not gotten injured that year, I think he would have been the MVP recent trades into quarterback or super flex leagues. Kirk cousins in a second for Carson Wentz. I want Wentz in that deal. Drew Brees and Preston Williams. Give me, give me Wentz in that one as well. Straight up for Jameis Winston. And then in a deal for Drew Locke and a first for Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. Man, it, it seems like we should be investing in Wentz. Maybe there's a, a big fan base that feels, Ryan, that that was a flash in the pan or, or defensive ca- defenses have caught up to Wentz and that coaching staff in Philadelphia. Where do you stand on Wentz? Are you buying him in these super flex leagues? I'm buying him at these prices for sure. Uh, I, I like... I like every deal you mentioned there uh, in in a super flex league, but I, I get the concern for sure. I think he was a player and, and we've seen many examples over the, of this over the past couple of years, but he, he was a player we probably got too aggressive on. We saw that big year from him and, and many people instantly moved him up to the Q, QB one and dynasty overall. And, and since then the perception is that, that he's overvalued, overrated, We've seen him deal with multiple injuries, including this week. Uh, now now he has this hand injury, wrist injury. Not exactly sure what it is yet, but it, it doesn't look great. Uh, he left the left the stadium with his with his hand wrapped. So now some question about him going forward in the short term. But again, looking back at these prices and, and really that's that's all that matters. I like I like him as a buy based on that. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, going forward, Matt, I want to ask you the same thing. It seems like Wentz is due to have a spike. His schedule moving forward looks really nice. This is one of those, if you still have not reached your trade deadline or if you're in a league, Superflex League, without a trade deadline, he had a rough schedule here in the middle of the season. Going forward at Miami, bottom five defense against fantasy quarterbacks. Against the Giants, bottom 10 defense. At the Redskins, bottom 10 defense. Dallas in week 16, then at the Giants, a bottom 10 defense again. Everything points to Wentz pulling things together and perhaps having a nice end to this season. Maybe it doesn't start or, or get your dynasty team where it needs to go because he hasn't helped you get that playoff seed. But Matt, 
What are your thoughts? Are you buying Wentz? And, and do you want him as your one of your signal callers going forward in 2020 and beyond? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I, I mean, look look at who he's throwing to right now. He's throwing to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who clearly is not quite ready for, for prime time. Greg Ward Jr., Jordan Matthews is back. You know, this team is trying to get him weapons. Uh, and when everyone is healthy, as rare as that is, you know, he produces. They got they got him Deshaun Jackson back. And what do they do week one? They, they connected deep. Uh, they've got uh, – they tried to get Alshon. He's always hurt. You know, we're dealing – Nelson Aguilar did, did nothing. Was he even playing this game? I, I don't know because he didn't, he didn't show up on the target sheet. Um, so uh, – I have to think that they're that with this front office, they're going to get him weapons, and eventually these weapons are going to stay healthy. Uh, this year might be continue to be rough. Uh, you know that that schedule is very nice, but it's dependent on at least one of these weapons getting back and healthy. I think uh, so. I, I'm buying for sure at those prices, and I'm I'm buying for maybe even a little bit more than that. To be honest with you, I think he's still like a two first player in a super flex league uh, uh, for sure. So I'm still in on those prices. And then uh, this is this is also what we saw with Zach Ertz last year, right? How how he his value spike. So all these weapons for for Philadelphia and for Carson Wentz were were getting hurt again last year. So that's when Ertz started to get these 14, 15 targets games, and it's happening again right now. So uh, Ertz's value is about to, is, is spiking again. So I think if you are uh, have have realized that once the other other weapons in that receiving game are healthy, that Ertz is not going to dominate this passing game, that you're going to have a chance right now to sell him again. You know, it might it might go on for another couple of weeks. While these guys are still out, uh, but Ertz, if you want to get out of him, he he is ready to go right now. I think. For the record, guys, I did look at some trades involving Wentz in single quarterback twelve-team leagues. Some of these are easy accepts as well. Wentz and a third for a second. I'll swap those two picks to get Carson Wentz if I need a quarterback. Wentz for a third straight up. That's just silly. Wentz for Kyle Allen and Damian Williams. If you don't need Williams down the stretch, that's a that's a pretty easy accept as well. Let's talk about the Panthers and the Saints, Matt. I mentioned earlier that I was about to take Evan Ingram on the sheet. After that, I went down to the Panthers and the Saints because I really badly wanted to sell Jared Cook. You had already claimed the game, though, and you're selling a different Saint. Yeah, I thought about Jared Cook too, but I want to I want to take this opportunity, I think, to go ahead and get out on Latavius Murray. He had a really couple of nice games in I think week seven and eight when when uh, Alvin Kamara was out with thirty I think thirty plus touches in each of those games. Very nice games. Uh, but since Alvin Kamara has been back in in week ten. Uh, he had five carries for 12 yards, two catches for seven yards, 10 carries for 27 yards, and another couple of catches for five yards. And this week, uh, again, the volume was low, only seven carries, but he came away with 64 yards and a touchdown. So uh, there were a couple of trades in the trade finder of him going for uh, a second-round pick uh, several times, Boykin and a second for Murray and a third. I like that, too, especially given the Ravens' uh, upcoming playoff schedule during the fantasy playoffs. So uh, he's going to be 20. I think he's 28. He's, gonna, he's either 27 or 28, and he's going to be 28 or 29 so we know the end of is coming here for him i think his value as a starter in your fantasy lineup is going to be dependent on on uh alvin kamara being injured or out of the lineup for some reason so uh he's just he, he's nice to have as that stash for when that actually happens but i don't I, i'm not somebody who thinks that kamara is an injury prone kind of player so uh, i just think if you can go ahead and get out now for a second round pick or boykin in a second for murray a third for, for sure uh i'd be willing to go ahead and do that just because i don't think we're gonna have too many opportunities to get out on this guy he's one of those guys that you like as a handcuff if you have Kamara on your team if you don't have Kamara on your team however look to the Kamara owner to potentially pedal him uh because he he is a good handcuff he is a guy that a Kamara owner certainly wants 
moving forward. Ryan, you had the Jaguars and the Titans. The Titans hammered the Jaguars on Sunday. Who do we have here? Yeah, this was this was a little bit of a wild when Derrick Henry uh, started out strong, had it ended up having a huge game, and then the passing game, Ryan Tannehill kind of got it going in the second half as as the Titans piled on some points and. AJ Brown was was the big beneficiary of that. We we all like that here. We're all AJ Brown fans. But one player who didn't see much action was Corey Davis. And I think I had one of these situations last week, guys, when we were talking about a player. I just don't know what to do with Corey Davis at this point. Obviously, he was uh, he was a hyped prospect. He was the 101 in in many rookie drafts that year. Uh, which looks which looks like a really terrible pick now over Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and, and all those guys. But just looking at his past couple of years, it's really all or nothing on a week-to-week basis with this guy. This year alone, he has two games uh, finishing as the wide receiver nine. Uh, so two top ten performances. His other seven games, he's wide receiver 44 or lower. And, and once the all the scores go final this week. I think this will be another week where he's outside of that, uh, those top 44 receivers. Last year was the exact same thing. Uh, three top five games, and then he had 11 as the wide receiver, 43 or worse. So th- this is just not, you know, not somebody you can count on. We, we, we've talked about Deshaun Jackson as that boom-bust guy really throughout his entire career, and, and Davis is taking it to extremes with uh, a couple of tease performances over the past couple seasons and then just nothing. So his value is certainly down. Um, Dan, you mentioned, you mentioned the deal you did the other day with him. I, I know in, in that league, our, our league mate was basically trying to give him away all year and, and couldn't do it. I think that's probably the case in a lot of leagues. People are finding uh, his – Trade value does not match his ADP. He's still wide receiver, wide receiver 27 in ADP, and, and I certainly don't think his trade value even comes close to that. So I thought about Corey Davis as a buy originally and just kind of going back to uh, his, his talent, his, his profile that we saw coming into the league, the assumption that the Titans are going to upgrade at the quarterback, although we've already we've already seen basically one upgrade with the move from Mariota to Ryan Tannehill, and that that hasn't helped Corey Davis either. So I'm really kind of at a loss to do what what to do with Corey Davis. I want to see what you guys think on this one. Well, you mentioned it there. The narrative all year was well, he's got Marcus Mariota at quarterback, and but since the changeover, like you said, he's had some spikes. He's had he's had some big plays and and some eyebrow raising plays that made you think that's the guy that we all drafted in the top five of those rookie drafts over those running backs. Just you mentioning that, Ryan, made me cringe. A lot of us were making those decisions. It's awful. But Tannehill has been an upgrade. He is distributing the football on time. He's pushing it down the field, which should be a great thing for Corey Davis. But he's had a couple of duds, including week 12 against Jacksonville, including week eight against Tampa Bay with Tannehill under center, where he only caught two passes for nine yards and was such a disappointment. Now, he has been struggling with this hip injury, kept him out of one game for sure, at least. And and his practice schedule has been interrupted for sure because of it. 
I still have high hopes for Corey Davis in the long term. I think he's a buy, especially if you can get him at, at the right price. Matt, what are your thoughts on Davis going forward now that A.J. Brown is there and there's stories coming out of Tennessee that Tannehill could be their future at quarterback? Yeah, I'm still not that interested. I mean, if you could get him for a second-round pick, I, I, sure. I think he's worth taking a shot on it at that kind of price uh, just because of his age and his draft pedigree and all that. But this offense is going to be a running offense. I mean, look what they're doing with Derrick Henry, and they're being successful at it. There was a stat. Uh, they've won – this will be the 12th straight game that they've won after leading leading or tied at halftime. They, they want to use Derrick Henry – as the as the main engine of this offense and Ryan was on it right away from from the beginning as soon as AJ Brown was drafted he said AJ Brown is the wide receiver one here and to me that's that's pretty clear talent wise right now at least or at least in terms of the pecking order in that offense and I think Davis will have a nice game here and there but I just think because of the low volume nature of that offense uh you know whether it's Tannehill or whoever else it just seems like this is a team that wants to use Derrick Henry as the main part of that offense so I think he'll have a nice game here and there I'm certainly if you have a wide receiver threat flex three flex type option for him uh i think that's really all you can be comfortable with him in terms of starting putting him in a starting lineup for yourself i don't think he's a reliable wide receiver too by any means so i think he's that that guy you throw in as your your last starter at, at running back wide receiver tight end flex kind of position um so second round picture otherwise i'm probably out if anybody wants to buy him for a first i'm ready to get out now on Corey. Gosh, are you really getting a first, though, for Corey I don't, Davis? I don't think you are. but uh, So he's like the hold, right? He's the epitome of a hold. Like I mean, like you said, we don't know what to do with him. I'm not going to sell him for a second. Maybe two seconds. I might do it for two seconds, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I did have some examples of recent trades. And just like some of the players we've talked about that we, we kind of feel uncertain on their value, uh, that's that's what the community is showing because the, the trades are all over the board. There's actually one uh, – uh, I hope there's something I'm missing about this league, but it's two first rounders for Corey Davis. Uh, and then he goes for as low as uh, Sterling Shepard, even up, which I would, I would prefer Davis over Shepard. Um, and then there's everything in between. So I think maybe you still might be able to get a first rounder for him or, or at least two seconds. So I, I think I'm talking myself into being a seller on Corey Davis. <laughs> he's going. He's the he's, he's wider. He's he's sixteen spots ahead of Jarvis Landry. I would rather have Jarvis Landry. If I could give Corey Davis and get Jarvis Landry and a pick or whatever back, I, I'm doing that for sure. Hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a lightning rod in the dynasty community for sure. There's people on each side of the fence. The apologists and the and the fans that go back to his college days are pounding the table saying, it's still coming. You just wait and see. The talent's there. We need a quarterback. We need an offense that focuses and, and shines a spotlight on his skill set. Meanwhile, there's a lot of us that are on the other side of the fence and, and see the path of Sammy Watkins with Corey Davis. Only time will tell what comes to fruition. Time has told us what has what the truth is about this wide receiver that I want to talk about in the Bucks Falcons game. Bucks win this one 35 to 22. I'm talking about Julio Jones. Five catches, 68 yards in the loss for the Falcons. He's a sell for me. He missed the end of the game, of course, because of a shoulder injury. They were out of the game. We're not sure if he would have returned had it been closer. <sighs> 64 catches, 950 yards, four touchdowns on the season. That's a fringe wide receiver one in points per game. 
maybe a little bit disappointing for some dynasty and fantasy owners out there that were expecting a top five finish from Julio. The big surge at the beginning of the year when he caught those touchdowns, I think he had four touchdowns in the first three weeks, multiple 100-yard games. Since then, tapered off just a bit. Target numbers are down just a little bit. Um, he's he's going to turn 31 in February, right around the Super Bowl. Recent trades, a couple times he went for two first-round picks still. Another trade, 2021 and a 2022nd. Jimmy Garoppolo in a first in Superflex leagues. Ryan, if you get the chance to get multiple first-round picks for Julio, are you going to deal him this offseason? I would do that as quickly as I could. Two first-rounders, uh, I think, is a slam dunk for Julio at this point. And uh, as talented as he is and uh, as productive as he has been for years and years, he might, in some ways, he might actually be the number one dynasty sell right now because unlike... Uh, guys like A.J. Green and, and some other players we have seen just fall off the cliff in value. You know, Des Bryant, Demaris Thomas, these other wide receivers that have been in that group for so long. Uh, Julio Jones, is he's still hanging on. He's still producing. He still has value. So I totally agree with you. Now is the time to get out. Matt, your thoughts on Jones and, and what to sell him for, where that baseline is? Yeah, if you can get two first, I think that's a fine deal. I don't, I don't know if you're going to get that, but if you can, I, I think I'm certainly getting out. I think where you get into like the single first, I think it's going to have to be a, like a guaranteed high pick for me, like maybe top four, top five, something like that. If I was going to move him for a single first round pick, uh, you know, I think there's a danger here that that he, you know, not necessarily that Larry Fitzgerald is worth a first round pick now or was last year or the year before that, but I think there is some danger here that Julio could be producing into his, you know, thir- to the thirty. 30- three 34 year age season just like Fitzgerald has we've seen it with these elite guys that they can produce that long and you know he's been a pretty durable receiver he's played in all 16 games the last two years 14 games back in 2016 16 15 all the way back to 2014 so he's been a durable guy we're, we're talking about one two three four five straight 1400 plus yard seasons and you know he's not quite on pace for that now but he's on pace for 12 to 1300 yards which is still you know pretty valuable I think for fantasy owners so two first round picks yeah I would I would probably go ahead and take that opportunity to sell. But once we get down to the one first round pick range, it's going to have to be a really high one for me to consider it. Yeah, I I really want out. And if it is a high first, I'm probably selling for just that. A a personal recent trade that I saw in one of my leagues, I wish I could have made it. I want to get your guys' thoughts. A contender, top seed in the playoffs, day of the trading deadline, sends Julio Jones his first and second for Chris Godwin. Seemed like a savvy move to me, Ryan. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, you, you certainly have missed the missed the window to move Julio for Godwin even up or, or anything like that. Uh, so knowing what you shared there, that it's a uh, a playoff team and late, late picks, um, I think that makes sense. I, I love buying back years, and you have two, uh, you have two elite scores. I mean, we're already seeing Godwin – outscore uh, Julio rather easily this year. Uh, so I, I would be glad to pay uh, pay something to make that move and to buy back those years. Yeah, it's he's, he's another guy that there's going to be people on both sides of the fence. The Julio truthers out there love him and want him on his team and, and love to see him jump over defenders and make those big plays that the, the Clock is ticking on those type of plays, though, for sure, as he's going to turn 31. 
I'm I'm out if I can get what he's worth uh, moving forward. Matt, you had the Steelers and the Bengals. Steelers needed a pitching change, I guess. It d- didn't seem like a quarterback change. It was just the guy throwing the ball and, that, and the new guy, Duck, as everybody calls him, I guess, made one good throw and they barely outlasted the Bengals. Who do you want to talk about here? Yeah, this is another player that I wrote down before the end of this game. Uh, I put down Benny Snell, and I also added Kareth White based on what he did in this game. Uh, they decided to go ahead and make Benny Snell really the, the 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 main engine of this offense. Twenty-one carries, ninety-eight yards this week. I didn't expect it to happen necessarily this week, but it was something I was looking at going forward. Again, this is a team with a really good fantasy playoff schedule. Week fourteen, the Cardinals. Week fifteen, the Bills. Week sixteen, the Jets. So you don't get too much better than that. Uh, and I don't know. I just. I, don't, I still don't trust James Conner. Um, Jalen Samuels is, is not what, what we necessarily thought he was going to be. Fine receiver, but doesn't look to be like he's going to be the answer in terms of every down running back. And Snell, I think, can really take advantage of this schedule going forward. And, you know, probably not necessarily going to be the unquestioned starter in 2020, but certainly is going to be in the running for uh, in that competition. The Steelers could certainly add another guy. Um, but, you know, I kind of think that this is another one of those teams that has a lot of talent on there. They just haven't found the one that's going to be the one that's going to carry the load. So Snell could be that guy. Kareth White also six carries 43 yards he had a big 21 yard uh, flash some speed on there I don't really know that much about him uh, I know he was floating around uh, a bunch of practice squads some people were picking up for you know in the later rounds of rookie drafts this year so if you guys have any thoughts on him feel free to illuminate uh, what he's capable of but some trades for Snell that I saw I saw 2021 third round pick multiple times and if I can pay a third round pick two years out I'm, I'm happy to do that all day for a guy with that uh, even if it's just for those three games in the fantasy playoffs Ryan, we all know you're a Benny Snell fan. Before we get to your thoughts on him, I want to share a really quick story, personal story about Snell. I did a trade, and I was I was a fringe playoff team. A lot of veterans on the team decided uh, time to move on from fr- some of these veterans. Got a package of draft picks and a couple of young players, including Benny Snell from a contender. I played that contender this week. And I put Benny Snell in my lineup. It looks like I'm going to win because of that. And my <laughs> nice. draft pick that I got in the trade, Benny Snell, is going to make that pick just a little bit worse. Ryan, your thoughts on Snell moving forward now that he was he was really highlighted. 21 carries, 98 yards. Looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, he, he really did. And Matt said he didn't expect it. I kind of did expect it, actually. Um, I expected it this week because... We saw Snell get a chance before his injury. Uh, when when Connor himself was injured, Snell was kind of the next guy up as the ball carrier. Of course, we know Jalen Samuels was, I guess, second on the depth chart, but he's more suited, and uh, we all know, as as a pass catcher. And, and then today, Samuels only gets two carries. Trey Edmonds only gets two carries. So it, it wasn't necessarily a surprise for me. And as a Kentucky fan, as a Snell fan, I was was definitely glad to see it, but also try to, you know, try to be uh, unbiased and reasonable here. And we talked about Bo Scarborough earlier in the in the show with that limited PPR upside and, and really needing a touchdown. And Snell's not too far from that same situation. I, uh, I do think he could – he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield – but with Samuels there, I'm not sure he's going to have the opportunity. Um, and best case situation, we're looking at a messy backfield with those two and James Conner uh, whenever they're all healthy. So 
I do agree with Matt. I want to, I want to add these guys. If they're on the waiver wire, I would give a 20, 21 third for sure uh, for Snell, but just kind of want to temper expectations with him a little bit. Yeah. Messy backfield is a good way to put it. We'll see what happens with Connor and the rest of those running backs moving forward. I, I couldn't watch Snell and not at least be slightly impressed with what we saw even with that lack of PPR upside in the Steelers offense, they they feed that top ball carrier. And if he ever gets that role, he could ascend up, up dynasty rankings and that ADP that we care about so much. It could happen, and paying a future third seems like a nice lottery ticket for a guy that has that kind of upside. Let's talk about the Broncos and the Bills. The Broncos were disgusting. On Sunday in Buffalo, Bills win 20-3. to I had this game, and I want to talk about a couple of those pass catchers out of Denver. Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton, their young tag team duo, guys that should be catching lots of passes. Fant, three catches, 14 yards on five targets. Cortland Sutton, one catch for 27 yards and was fed eight targets in the game. Brandon Allen was awful against the Bills. He only had 82 passing yards in the game. It seems, especially since Emmanuel Sanders was traded a few weeks ago, that this Broncos passing game, this coaching staff wants to run that passing game through their best two receivers, these young guys, Fant and Sutton. Sutton's targets this year, game by game, 8, 7, 7, 9, 7, 8, 8, 6, 8, 9, 8. That is consistency, no matter who the quarterback is. He's a guy we want in our lineups as a wide receiver three. With upside, it didn't happen in week 12 for us. It wasn't the the numbers we were hoping for. But Sutton looks everything as the that wide receiver one kind of upside that we look for if he ever gets a quarterback. Fant, his targets over the last five games, 5, 8, 4, 10, 5. It's getting incorporated in the offense. Again, Another poor showing this week. It's because of the quarterback, guys. Allen's not the answer. Flacco isn't either. Nobody knows if Drew Locke is. There have been some positive reports recently on Locke and his upside and how that coaching staff and that front office likes him. They have to fix this quarterback position at some point, Matt. I don't know if Locke's the answer, but whenever they do, Fant and Sutton are going to move up dynasty rankings quickly. Yeah, I'd like to buy Sutton especially. This was a down performance for him. He got about, like you mentioned here, he got about the same number of targets he always gets, but it just wasn't wasn't working this week uh, from Brandon Allen. So uh, I don't really think Drew Locke is the answer, but they're going to be picking in at least the top 10, so they're going to have an opportunity to move up and, and get another guy uh, if they choose to do that. Uh, hopefully they get a chance to look at Locke here before the end of the season to see if they have anything so they can make that decision, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't that big of a fan of a come out. I'm sure it's certainly a possibility that he's the guy, but I just don't think he is. So they'll have an opportunity to fix that if he is not. Ryan, your thoughts on these two young pass catchers in Denver? I definitely like the idea of buying both of them. I, I certainly think both are trending in the right direction and uh, agree with your sentiment that they just need a quarterback. I, we know it's not Allen. We know it's not Flacco. I think we'll start – to find out maybe as early as next week if it is Locke. Uh, and then we'll, we'll have the rest of the season to see how uh, how that plays out. My concern here is I don't know if I can trust John Elway to 
to get them a quarterback. That's that's the concern. We uh, we did a little exercise last week on the Dynasty Blueprint podcast, and uh, Matt Williamson and myself and Dan Sanio did a a, a one round wide receiver draft from 2020 and beyond. And Cortland Sutton was taken. So he was taken among the top 12 wide receivers there late. I think that's, that's a pretty good representation of what, uh, what his value is doing, certainly spiking up and um, it's going to be costly to get either one of these guys, especially Sutton, but I think the price will continue to go up for both. Yeah, I looked at the trade finder and, and Sutton is expensive. He's not quite a multiple first round guy. He's a first rounder plus. There were deals in there, Sutton for a first, a third, and Will Disley, Sutton for uh a first plus Brandon Cooks. Uh lots of these kind of moves. And those are those are prices I'm I'm willing to pay in, in the on the right team, the right situation for sure. I agree with you. You made a great point. I don't know if we can trust that that front office and John Elway to find that next quarterback to get them the ball. Sutton seems like a special talent, though, and dynasty owners everywhere are recognizing it. I don't know if he has that same kind of ability that DeAndre Hopkins showed for so long to be able to play so well despite poor quarterback play. I, you know, Hopkins went through some bad quarterbacks. Sutton's going through that a little bit right now. I really hope they fix it so we can see Cortland Sutton's true upside. Fant falls into that category. He's a little bit cheaper, but has that field stretching speed, uh, hands that that are good enough to 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 be the guy in the red zone and and the body to box out those smaller defensive backs. He's he's a guy with big upside as well in tight end premium leagues. Fant is a guy you want going forward. Ryan, you had the final game that we need to talk about here. It was the Cowboys and the Patriots. Who should we talk about in this one? Yeah, this was another ugly one, mostly due to the weather. But um, speaking of ugly, I want to talk about Sony Michelle. This was this was just a perfect game for him to. Apologies to Miss Michelle. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> Let's, I'm talking about his game, of course. Um, but this was this was a perfect setup for him to to excel with with that that rain and, and the field conditions, they were going to feed him uh, all game long. And, and they basically did. And it was just okay. He's, he's another guy who is not going to be involved in the, in the passing game. They've got James white. Why would they ever throw to Sony Michelle? So he's, he's yet another guy along with Scarborough, along with Benny Snell, who has to have that touchdown and uh, to, to really put up a big fantasy number. And he hasn't succeeded really in general this season, but certainly hasn't succeeded in the red zone. And I just, I want to get out. I know we're selling low, but that's, but I'm comfortable with that at this point. He kind of feels like the Corey Davis of wide receivers, because when you look at ADP, he's still the RB 24. So he's a low end RB two, according to, uh, to that data set and, and would certainly still have some value, but it feels like at least in the leagues I'm in, uh, again, you can't give him away. I did. I did see some nice trades on the trade finder that I would jump at. Derrick Henry even up for Sony Michelle. Uh, Sony Michelle in a first rounder for Keenan Allen and James Washington. I would prefer the wide receivers there. And then Sony Michelle in a fourth rounder for Philip Lindsay. I would. I would pivot to Philip Lindsay uh, in that deal as well. So get out while you can. Take two second rounders if you can get that. Move on. 
Yeah, what's the worst is even in those non-PPR standard leagues, half PPR leagues, his value is so low even there because the upside is it just doesn't exist. You know, those those two and three touchdown games that we saw towards the end of 2018 just haven't come this year. And there hasn't been that selling point, Ryan. It's it's so disappointing. I only own Sony Michelle in one league. I can't give him away. As you mentioned, I'd do it. I would I would for those deals that you mentioned. It's it's ugly with Sony Michelle, Matt. Yeah, I absolutely would too. Uh, I've, I think I mentioned on here several times, but in KS5, I had an opportunity to move him for a first last off season, and I balked at that, and I wish I had taken it. So uh, I don't think I'm ever getting him back into that range. So someone wants to send me two seconds for him. I'm all over that. Yeah. That's going to do it for the Week 12 edition of the DLF podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners out there. Enjoy time with family and friends. Quick programming note. The next couple weeks we'll be recording on Monday, so expect it to drop late Monday evening or Tuesday rather than late Sunday evening or Monday. Guys, good show. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks again for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.